You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. All right, guys, uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Uh, We're going to be speaking tonight on uh, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And uh, you can see Christina, she came up with an awesome picture of a zombie hammer. That's what you use when you kill zombies. We're going to show you the weapon we use as Christians in the workplace, all right? So uh, let's go ahead and start off with a word of prayer. Great God, thank you so much just for uh, calling us to be Christians. God, uh, giving us so many great tools to to be able to just have an incredible life. And uh, God, to be prosperous and successful in our job and honor you in, in the workplace. God, I just really pray tonight, Lord, that we let your, your scriptures really... Um, Appeal to our hearts, God, to to really be uh, righteous in the workplace like never before. God, to really strive with all of our heart to honor you uh, in the workplace. God, we love you so much and just thank you for uh, being such an awesome God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the scripture uh, that we're going to use as our central scripture is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Okay, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we see here from this scripture that we are in a spiritual battle, right? It is very real. Um, We spend a third of our life in the workplace. So if ever there was a place to exercise our spiritual weapons, it's there in the workplace. Sometimes we just kind of want to isolate our work from being a Christian or isolate work from our social life, but... There are so many opportunities that God gives us to really shine and, and, and be different in the workplace. So what we're going to talk about here today is um, the weapons. We're going to speak a little bit about the weapons of the world in the workplace and what they use. And then we're going to show you the weapons that we have as Christians. Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, Christina. Thanks, guys. I'm going to try to find a good place to stand and not... Um in the background tonight. Um, I love this scripture. Uh, I do uh, have a a hope and a prayer for all of us tonight, Um, just that we hear God speaking to us. Um, Me and Jason uh, definitely love God a lot and um, have a lot of stories that we're going to share and um, experiences and stuff, but the one place that we know for sure that you're going to hear God's voice and know that it's him and it's not tainted is in the scriptures. Um, so we're going to share a lot of scriptures tonight, and I hope you guys um, take them to heart and hear them that way, um, and feel really empowered, like these are your tools, like you are going home with a sword in your belt tonight um, that's going to help you to live for God. 
Um, personally, I, just my nature, I'm super legalistic, um, and I just bend toward doing the right thing um, purely for the sake of, like, patting myself on the back and getting some, some kind of security and, like, okay, I've done what's right. Um, so I have to battle that constantly by knowing, like, why, okay, why am I going to do this thing? And we're going to go through a lot of practicals tonight, too. Um, so as we look at practicals, there's something I wanted to share with you guys about just perspective on why would we even do these practicals, um, because it helped me. Um, the number one reason, like, why would we even need to be godly in the workplace? Uh, why do we need to be set apart? Why do we need to fight with spiritual weapons? Why not use the weapons of the people around us? Um, number one is because the world that we're living in, the spiritual reality that Jesus makes us aware of, is that every day we get out in our little rescue boat and we paddle out to a sinking ship with people drowning in the water around us. Um, And sometimes I like to think that they're in the water, but it's like 85 degrees, and they're in an inner tube drinking a beer, um, floating, and they look happy, and they're laughing, but but God makes it really clear that they're not. I love this. This is actually a picture from uh, the movie Jaws. Up in the corner of that. Um, (laughs) That's not a picture of your boss not what that's supposed to mean um but what it is a picture of i think is i even though it's a movie and it's fake it's really an accurate depiction spiritually of what's going on every day um with our coworkers in their lives and they're being violently attacked with delusion with numbness um and satan goes after us with that too so part of the spiritual battle is just being aware of that reality um and having compassion Um, for the fact that we're, for other people, because we're sitting in the safety of a rescue boat with a supply of lifesavers to throw out around us. And every opportunity that we have to share our faith at work is like throwing out a lifesaver. So I thought of, um, like, just how to think about practicals for myself, too. Like, I I thought of, like, okay, one of my love languages is is gift-giving. And I thought, like, what if I kept a list of every gift that I gave to my friends my whole life um, and all the uh, energy and, like, how much everything costs? And I kept that list. And then um, in, what am I, like, in 20 years when I'm living off Social Security and life is a little hard, uh, I go to my friends and I say, hey, um, Angela, remember all those gifts that I gave you? Well, I I counted them, and they cost this much total. So, um Basically, that entitles me to stay with you at your house for at least this long, right? That's weird. Um, or even if I just kept the list to, like, just feel good about my... I mean, if you knew somebody that gave gifts for that reason, you wouldn't want to be friends with them. Like, you wouldn't be drawn to that person. You'd be like, dude, that's just messed up. Like, you're not so good because you gave those gifts. But when I do practicals, just because it's the right thing to do or because I want to show up um, at the gate of heaven one day and be like, okay, God, I did it. Like, I fulfilled it. That's the, And that's my natural temptation. Um, it's like that sick and weird gift-giving thing. Like, our, our practical obedience to God is our gift to him, and he wants it to be out of love. Like, our being with him forever is going to be the perfect expression of love. Um, not 
an eternity of doing more of what's right. Um, so those thoughts helped me. Um, maybe they do something for you too. Uh, and now we're going to get into some practicals. All right. All right. So, oh, this is uh, oh, this was your slide. It is. Okay. okay yeah. Go for it. Now I'm going to get into some practicals. <laughs> Um, okay, so being set apart at work, uh, we're not. Most of us don't work with mostly disciples, um, so we're surrounded by influence of a lot of different types of thinking from a lot of really smart, really um, well-spoken, really dynamic people that um, sometimes are better than us. Um, I have coworkers that are more pure-hearted than me, serve the poor more than I do, have um, a buddy with special needs, or just more brilliant. I think um, working in a scientific field, one of the most intimidating things for me is um, most of the people that I work with are smarter than me. So it's easy to feel like, well, I mean, they've obviously thought through the way that they're living. Uh, What do I have to say? And that's why I have to go back to the scriptures and remember Jesus. Uh, James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Uh, sometimes I just want so bad to have friends at work. I mean, it's lonely already. Um, and then it's lonelier when not only are you not around, like, a bunch of disciples, but um, but the people you're around, like, don't like you because you your life is an expression that things that they're doing in their life are not right. I mean, that's, like, that's just uncomfortable. Um, I don't like people not liking me. Um, but I'm even more afraid of being an enemy of God. Like, God's the one who's going to be there for me on the last day. He's the one who's here for me every moment of every day now. He's the one who um, who really actually cares about me. Um, even though being liked by people can be immediately gratifying, um, at the end of the day, people are going to serve themselves. Um, and if it's convenient to make me feel good, they will, and if not, they won't. Um, Matthew 10, 24 through 25 says, The student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the students to be like their teachers and the servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? And sometimes I can think, like, I can do this spiritual thing and be liked. I think that's really the way to go, because that's going to give me the most visitors out to midweek. Um and it's win-win, right? Um, but while there's some truth in the fact that, like, being godly does win favor from people because it wins trust and it wins respect, at the same time, i got to be ready for the fact that the truth is people are not going to like me. I'm not better than Jesus. Uh, the way that I live my life is not going to be better than the way that he lived it. i got to be ready for uh, the consequences of that. And this... Um, Hebrews inspires me a lot about Jesus. It says in 11:13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. And this is referring to by these people, he means um, men who lived for God, incredible lives that did um, things that were absolutely miraculous because their faith allowed them to. Um, it says they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on this earth. Uh, Sometimes I'm just trying too hard not to be strange. Um, 
And uh, I just got to remember, like, the fact is that um, one day we're going to, we're going to be told by God whether we're foreigners and strangers to him or not. Um, and I want to be God's friend uh, now and forever. So um, something that inspires me too, like, oh, I had this thought about practicals I wanted to share too. Like every time that you think about doing a practical for God, something that inspires me is thinking like, okay, well, I want to do something for God, but what practical did Jesus do for me? Because um, Jesus' love wasn't just an idea or an intention. It was action, and it was all the time. Um, and in Hebrews 12, uh, in verse 1 through 3, it says, you know, um, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Like Jesus, when he was here, wasn't thinking about how to make people like him. He was thinking about me. So how much more can I, like, not care about what people think about me at work than think about the Jesus that went to the cross for me. Um, and I don't even have to go that far for him. Here's Jason. All right. So some practical, another practical here in a way that we can really shine is a weapon the world uses is just getting by. Right, doing the bare minimum. Whereas as Christians, we're called to work with all of our heart. Um, you know, I think this is, a, this is a challenge for all of us. What are some of the, the reasons that we justify just kind of doing the bare minimum? Okay, lazy. Don't get paid enough for this. Yeah, my boss is making all the money that I'm working hard for. What else? Not enough time. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, you know, but I hear that a lot is, you know, either we don't get paid enough or, or my boss doesn't treat me right. Um, whatever it is, but in Colossians 3.23 and 22, it says, Slaves. Obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. I don't think it's curry their favor. Uh, is it, it is? Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Whatever you do, but, uh, and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Do you guys believe that? That when you're at work and your, your boss gives you a, a directive or asks you to do something, do you actually see Jesus? It's pretty hard to see Jesus, isn't it? But... What's so beautiful about this scripture is that it basically removes all excuses, right? When we, when we really see, okay, I'm working for the Lord here. Um, I don't have an excuse to mouth off or to not work hard or, you know. And, and if you think your situation's bad, just look at who this scripture is addressed to. Slaves. 
That's, I don't think any of us have it as bad as that, right? So really, this is a way that, this is a weapon that God has given us to really shine and, and stand out, um, is to work with all our heart. Don't just do the minimum. Don't just do enough to get by. Do the most. Really stand out amongst your coworkers. Um, and you know, right, when you're working with all your heart, don't you just feel it? Like, okay, I'm giving it everything. And your boss knows it when you're working with all your heart. Your coworkers know it. Sometimes they don't like it. Why are you doing that, man? You make me look bad. You know, but that, you just say, hey, I'm here, I'm here to work. I, I promise you, God blesses that heart incredibly, more than you'll ever know, because your boss is going to love you for, having, for bringing that type of energy and excitement and commitment to a team. Um, in 1 Peter 2.12, it says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You know, we not only need to work with all our heart just so that we're successful in the job and we get a promotion. We got to do it because souls depend on it. Your, your, your coworkers, they're watching you. Your boss is watching you. And, and that, hey, we want to we be like this, that, hey, they may accuse us of doing, you know, other wrong, but when they see our good deeds, they're going to glorify God. Christine is going to talk about the next. Thanks, Jason. No, no, it's not gossip. It's just the truth, right? Um, obviously, that's funny because it's ridiculous. We know that um, the definition of gossip doesn't mean it's a lie. Um, in fact, uh, that's what makes it so dangerous and so tempting is because we want to say things about people because they're true. Um, in James, um, God talks about how the tongue is like a spark that sets off an enormous fire. And uh, I really believe that as Christians, as people who follow Jesus, we've got to understand the incredible, incredible power of every word that you say. Like there's a reason that God feels so deeply that he said like every careless word spoken is going to be something we're accountable to on judgment day because words are so powerful. Um, in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 26, 22, it says the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Um, this is a funny scripture. We usually don't think about food when it's inside of our guts. Um, by that point, we're thinking about what we're going to eat next. But, um, I've noticed something like that, even though, even when people say something about somebody that I love and like and believe in and respect, if somebody else gossips about them, um, it could be maybe something a little bit bad. It could be something really bad. It can even be something that I know is not true, but the fact that they said it and I heard it, it still goes down to the innermost parts. It's still there in the back of my mind. The next time I see that person, and I'm thinking, well, this person had that experience. I mean, I know better, but it's still in there. The words that we say can cause so much damage. So because of that, God gives us specific instruction on not just what not to do, but what to replace that with. And Ephesians 4.29 says, um, he says, uh, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths except that um, which is beneficial for others. Um, and what builds others up. 
I mean, that's our job. That's how God wants to spread his love through us to our coworkers is by using words that build them up. Um, and now, Jason. All right. Next, complaining versus being being grateful. How how many of you guys heard complaining today at your job? In some way or another. How about in the last week? It's probably you if you if you didn't raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we're all tempted to complain, right? Why? Because we have this fascination with comparing our situation to others, don't we? we uh, it's so easy to look for someone with a better situation than we do. Yet, the weapon God gives us, it says, let's read Philippians 2.14 first. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, Children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I'm not run or labor in vain. So, do we have a a reason sometimes to complain, according to the scripture? No, it says everything. Everything without grumbling or arguing. That's an incredible way to live because it helps us to be content with our situation. When we make a decision, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to grumble about, you know, what the boss did or, man, this is just unreasonable expectations. I mean, guys, we all have done it, right? Every one of us have done it. We have to make a decision to not. Because why? This is, this is one of the ways that this scripture says we're going to shine the brightest. Because it's, it's just rampant. It's, all, it's everywhere. And it's not just verbalizing it, you know, saying it. It's also, um, it's also thinking it. If you think that your thoughts don't affect how you feel or act, um, you're wrong. They absolutely do. And we've got to be able to, to, to have control over our thoughts and make a decision not to complain. A, a good example of someone, um, I have a, there's a girl at work um, who works at the front desk. And one day, um, I noticed that she just wasn't smiling. Part of, the, part of their job at the front desk is to warmly greet people. Welcome to the gym. How you doing? Wear a smile. Um, and she was just I mean, completely uh, straight-faced and just seemed very bothered. And, you know, I noticed it. My boss noticed it. He was ap- happened to be there at the gym, too. And then we pulled her aside and said, what's going on? Why, what's, what's the matter? You know, why are you, why are you acting like this? And she's like, well, you know, he's not doing his job. You know, my other coworkers, they're, I'm pulling all the weight. And, you know, you could see that, you know, her, you know, in a, in a way, complaining, even though there's there truth to what she was saying, she allowed it to affect what she does and her job and what's expected of her. And that happens to all of us. 
right? If we don't have a control over our thoughts and like, you know, we're going to justify just a poor job. We're not going to do a good job because we're, we're, we end up focusing all on that and, and not on what we're supposed to do. So, you know, we really do need to, uh, to be grateful and, and express it. You know, look in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. When was the last time you, you, you thanked your boss or you thanked, you know, someone at work? Um, just being grateful. Hey, I just want you to know I, I really appreciate this job. I really appreciate, you know, what, you, what you've done for me. And, and just being grateful, you know. And I'm not saying lie or, you know, <laughs> if you're not. But, but we all, when we really just, we put that effort into thinking about what's great about our situation, there's plenty of things that we can be grateful for. We just have to decide to be thankful and not complain. Um. And now Jason's going to talk about being in... Oh, no, sorry. Me. I practice a lot with this PowerPoint. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been uh, in a situation where you felt disrespected by your boss. I'm super going through that right now, so I'll just confess a little bit. Um, I've had a really bubble-like, blessed career so far where um, I've been, I'm on my third boss right now with my current company, and uh, my first two bosses uh, were awesome. They just thought, I was great. I have this double major. And, Christina, you're going to go far, and you're going to do great things, and we support you. And um, it was awesome. And I pat myself on the back, and I was like, yeah, you know, I do work really hard. <laughs> and I do. I go to grad school, and I have dreams. And, yeah, and look, I built this database. And I know that word excited you right now, but if you can bring it back. Um. I currently have a boss that um, he just doesn't know any of the work that I've done over the past six years. Um, and he's got, um, he's got a very um, specific focus and things that he wants to do that, um, that my past work experience don't have a lot to do with. Um, so my current temptation is to feel like, wow, you really don't respect me. Okay. I have some feelings about you for not respecting me. And... I want to be in a place where I'm respected and I feel believed in and supported. And um, to a certain extent, I think those are valid wants. But at the end of the day, um, God calls us to respect the people that we work for and that are above us. Um, this is First Peter 2.17 that says, Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. So the emperor in Jesus' time, that was everybody's boss. And... If you remember history from Roman history, emperors were typically not nice people. They were not known for their kind deeds or for their respect for humanity uh, as much as they were known for getting ahead their agenda. And God's telling his holy, sanctified people that live for his purpose, part of your job is to honor the emperor. Yeah, that's pretty deep. So when I think about like why I feel disrespected by my boss and compare it with, A, what Roman emperors did to Christians back in the day. Um, And B, even what Jesus went through when he was talking to Pilate. Um, I love Jesus' example. This is like my ultimate, okay, this is what 
I need to do, who I need to be. Um, Pilate's about to have Jesus flogged, um, which is near death. It's very violent. Um, it's excruciatingly painful. And then have him crucified. And he's asking Jesus, you know, are you going to say anything in your defense? Because I can stop this. I can make it so that you don't feel any pain. You're off the hook. You can go home today. And instead of trying to defend himself, Jesus looks at him and says, you don't have any power except for what's given you from above. So Pilate had power over Jesus in that moment. But for us, God, our boss is the person that God has put over us. Now, that's not to say that if your boss tells you to do something that goes against what God says, that you should do that. But that is to say that if even Jesus respected Pilate, didn't talk back to him, and said the power that you have was given to you for a purpose so that you could fulfill God's will in my life, to the man who was about to kill him, I think I can respect my boss when he says, can you make this spreadsheet? (laughs) And not complain and be grateful um, and and be a team player, um, which I'm actually going through right now. not fired up about my current um, assignment, but I love Jesus. All right. Another uh, another great way for us to to stand out is the world makes excuses where we can take responsibility. Um, let's look at Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 12. It says, Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. And then again in chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, At the end of your life you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, How I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. You know, I really, I really believe that taking responsibility is, a, is, is so rare in the workplace. It, like, really allows us to stand out as Christians. And it's, it's so refreshing because what's our immediate sinful nature response when someone says, what happened here? What do, you, what do you mean? No, I didn't. You weren't clear. I didn't know. You know, oh, I don't know. You know, but it's, it's not, it's not, you know, a, a, a humble, like, oh, you're right. You know what? I, I should have had that to you on time. I'm sorry. Now, what happens when we, when we don't do that is we repeat the same things over and over again because we're not taking it in. We're not listening we're we're spurning correction and i promise you like it, it may not make sense but i promise you when when we do that as christians like it's very appreciated it's just like wow they're humble like humility is just it's it's very rarely found in the world and and it and it's hard because when we admit fault you know hey we could we could be you know we, they could be disappointed. Um, but I promise you, like, when we really decide to take 
responsibility, God blesses that. And it, and it really makes an impact on, on your employer. Um, I was the overflow of the heart. Um, has anybody ever been attracted to a coworker? No, you guys aren't because you're so spiritual. You wouldn't ever be attracted to anybody who hadn't already made Jesus Lord, right? There's like blinders and they just they look like trolls. Just kidding. Um, I had a year. I just want to share with you guys a couple of practicals that I learned. Um, a couple of years ago, Satan just gave like the one-two punch um, with men in the workplace. Um, <laughs> and then you have like coworkers who are like, Christina, you're single. Andrew, you're single. <laughs> that don't help your situation. So that's when you pull out your phone and you just look at it. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Sorry, I was Facebooking. I didn't hear what you said. That may or may not have happened in the last few weeks. Um, but anyways, I just, uh, you know, we're people. I love what um, Jacqueline said. If, if any of you went to the ISC in Denver, um, she was like, I have two eyeballs in my head. I know when a boy looks good. Like, <laughs> most of us have the capacity to appreciate beauty. But um, but we also know because because of the decision that we made to love Jesus, and we know who we were without him, and we've learned what it is to love God first and to to selflessly love another person. And we didn't have that outside of God. We know what a real valuable relationship is that's going to get us to heaven. Um, we just know that a relationship outside of the kingdom of God with somebody who hasn't made that decision isn't worth it. It's too full of pain. It's too full of heartache. And it's too full of shame um, to be what God wants for us. Um, he wants us to be happy and fulfilled and lasting relationships um, but even knowing that, we still get tempted. We still are attracted to the outside. Um, this apple looks really good um, from the outside, and you can't see everything that's going on inside of it. Um, and that's what people are like. Um, so a few things that I learned um, just from being attracted to coworkers recently was, uh, number one, uh, invite them to church. It has happened before where people have actually come to church and become disciples of Jesus Christ and made him Lord of their life above everything because they had some um, not-so-pure motives in the beginning. Um, we don't want to put ourselves in danger, obviously. Like, it's very, like, um, it's a popular Bible study to do when you see um, that the strongest, the wisest, and the most pure-hearted man um, in the Bible, all of whom loved God deeply were all taken down by the opposite sex. We don't want to be prideful. We don't. We want to have a sober judgment of ourselves. But it could be that God's using a situation um, to bring people to Him. Um, so number one, invite people to church. Um, number two, uh, we got to confess at temptation level. And honestly, like this is the number one thing I will tell you guys that saved my spiritual life. Like I wouldn't be standing here today if I hadn't written emails in desperation. Like I had in my office, I had um, scriptures to get my mind off of what I was thinking about. And then I had um, like songs playing, spiritual songs playing to try and get my mind off of what I was thinking about. Um, and then uh, would tell people on the side, like, hey, there's a situation at work. But sometimes 
my brain is it's weak and it would just get going and I would make a plan of like this is how we can run away together and everything's gonna be great I don't like I know I'm the worst sinner in the room here and I'm the only one that's ever thought that but now you guys can feel better about yourself um writing emails to the women in my life who know me um they know that I love God but they know that I'm human too and I need help I would just be like hey you guys I just this is what's happening right now at work uh, this is what I'm thinking. I'm making some plans in my head uh, that I know I would regret. Um, if you can please pray for me. And the craziest thing would happen, like the moment I hit the send button, and by the way, these are women that I know check their email and would respond and, and would pray for me. So I knew as soon as I hit that send button, the whole tide of the battle changed. It was weird. It was like, I mean, I can't explain it, but just what felt impossible and where, like, emotionally, I felt like I'm not going to make it out alive today. Like, just confessing, I just felt like, oh, my gosh, like, God is bigger than this, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to make it through, and it's going to be awesome. Um, Oh, and another thing that I did that helped a ton was, like, make the dream list. Like, if you... If you haven't done this yet, like, please make this a quiet time. Just write out a list of, like, this is what I'm looking for. Um, From the time I was a baby Christian, like, the two top things that have stayed on my list are, like, this, whoever I'm with one day, he's going to be a man who, like, the number one thing is he's going to make me fall more in love with God. I don't know exactly how. Like, maybe it'll be his quiet times. um, Maybe it'll be, like, the way he studies the Bible or whatever. But that's got to be on the list. If not, then it's just not worth it um it's not what i'm looking for and he's got to love purity and i'm a stickler about like uh, being treated like a sister and i've people have questioned me disciples have asked me like well christina we know what if he doesn't have the same convictions and i was like well i mean get easy i don't know right then that um it's not the one and that's okay um because god wants the best for us um it is better to be socially weird spiritually dead the end of the day i want to see god's face and he wants to see ours um so i hope those practicals help you guys all right we got some more here for you all right uh dealing with unspiritual supervisors um this is probably true for many of us um you know it it definitely puts us in a dilemma because everything in us, you know, mo- most of us, we want to please our supervisor. We want them to be happy with us. Um, but what do we do as Christians when they're asking us to do something that we know is not right? Um, I know for me, um, I had a pretty unspiritual supervisor. And, uh, you know, we just we were really close. I was in his wedding. And, uh, and before coming back, like, you know, he'd call me to do things that, that are just really wrong, you know, going to strip clubs and different things like this. And, uh, those that know him do not say anything. There's some people here that work with me, but, um, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, becoming a Christian, I had to, I had to have the talk, you know, and, and I think we all need to have the talk when, when we're, we're asked to do something that's not, not right. Um, I love this scripture in Daniel chapter 1. It says, but 
Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. You know, we also learn later, you know, um, in Daniel where there's another time where he, he said, I will not bow down to these images of gold that you're putting up. And, guys, if it comes down to it, you know, that's a big test that we all need to, to pass with flying colors. And the right talk to have is, hey, listen, this completely goes against what I believe um, as far as, you know, work ethic and, and, you know, being a great employee. I promise you I will do, you know, as good as anybody else and work with all my heart. But in terms of, of this kind of thing, I just cannot do this. And I need you to respect it. And it's amazing getting, earning the respect of someone at work. It really is, um, it's, it's a good thing, and it, and it really builds your faith up. Because Satan wants you to think that this is going to be detrimental to your career, you know, by standing up. Or, you know, your boss asks you to work on Sunday or Wednesday. And, and you know Matthew 6:33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, Satan wants you to think that by telling him, no, I cannot do that, then... He's not going to like me. I'm going to get fired. I'm, I'm, uh, it's just a matter of time. No. We get to stand on God's promises. And what he says is that all these things will be given to you as well. Um, I love, you know, I think one of the best weapons in this, in this scenario is prayer. Prayer, it, it just, it, it's, it's really been cool. Miyoko and I, uh, my wife, we've been praying you know, God, give us favor in the eyes of, of our bosses and our boss's boss. And, and it's amazing, like, that week or the week after, they're just, they're like, oh, you're doing such an awesome job. And, I mean, it, 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 seriously, you can see it come true. And it's happened, like, countless times. And, guys, we got to pray like that because, you know, we may be needing to stand up or do things that, that they may not like in order to be righteous, but, but we have prayer that God, he can change their heart. Um, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 11, Nehemiah prays, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success by granting him favor in the presence of this man. You know, have that prayer. If you're going to have a tough talk with your boss, pray that prayer. God, Give me favor in their eyes. And, and it's amazing. He will answer it. You know, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You know, that, that it, to me is just such a special promise from God that, that God will, will take our anxieties from us. And if we don't, um, if we don't pray, it's amazing just how much I mean, almost sick I can get, you know, just by worrying about my job or how I'm doing. or um, I just don't, it's just never the same. And that is one of the, the greatest weapons we have as Christians. We have a caring father that wants to take away this anxiety that we're feeling, you know. So we've got we to use prayer. Um, and... Christine is going to say something. 
I had an unspiritual employer one time. Um, maybe a couple times. Um, but you know, I love um, I love Jason's thought about like the most important thing, and I think the first thing um, to do when we have a, an employer who their first priority in life isn't to serve Jesus and love Him, um, it's just to be compassionate um, and freely forgive. There was a time when our first priority in life wasn't to serve Jesus, wasn't to do what was right. And I shudder to think of what kind of boss I would be like without Jesus. I actually shudder to think of what kind of boss I would be like now. I'd be scared. But I mean, without Jesus, oh my gosh, I'd be a mess. The only reason that I would be nice to people would be as if, if it served me. Um, I could go on, but, um, I did want to share just this story about um, a really tough situation that I had when I, I used to work for a bank. And I love remembering this period of time because it was crazy, but God moved. And he showed, like, I love to to talk about when God does miracles and just shows off himself and how good he is. Um, so I'll just paint a little picture of the bank for you. So we have um, two levels of bosses. One's your big top, top boss, and he's your manager. And the only training that he has in management is to yell and intimidate and make you feel really bad. So we would have personal bankers that were crying because they didn't have their sales goals. And that was the only, the only way that he knew how to hit his numbers was to make you cry until you got them um, with disrespect um, and with, by embarrassing you in front of other people. And so the person under him, she could be nice when it got you to do what she wanted you to do, but it was kind of scary because she was really emotionally manipulative. And if it if it would get you to do her whim to make you feel good, she would make you feel really good. And if it didn't, she would, like, condemn you and make you feel really bad and embarrass you in front of other people just like the other boss. And they'd be like, wait a minute, I thought you liked me. and I'm confused and embarrassed and I don't, try, like, just... Um, Crazy situation. So there's a policy at the bank where you have to give 30 days notice if you're going to give time off or get time off from work. And I was part of the campus ministry at the time. Uh, We have like four retreats a year. And then um, obviously like midweek. Don't we, Brent? Yeah. Not an exaggeration. They were phenomenal. I love them. Um, And I decided I'm going to go to every meeting of the body because that's Jesus says I need it. I felt that I need it. I know what happens to me when I go. I'm putting that above work. So um, I let him know uh, ahead of time what my schedule was, uh, when I couldn't work because that's when I was going to be at church. Um, And uh, I would ask every single time we had a retreat coming up, I would try to give more than a month's notice, but sometimes I didn't. And um, I would tell my my immediate supervisor, um, she wasn't one of the two crazy ones, Sorry, that wasn't a compassionate word. She wasn't one of the two highest up ones. Um, But anyways, uh, she'd be like, Christina, you're not going to get it off. I'm sorry, because people ask for time off, and they don't get it. And I'd be like, Maria, watch. I'm going to pray. Just watch what happens. And every single time, every single time I would ask for it, the manager would be like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and take it. And then I would go back and tell her, she'd be like, that's never happened before. Well, it happened last time I asked you. 
But I really, I believe the only reason that happened is because I told her, you know what, Maria, I'm going to pray. Just watch. Like, watch what God will do because God loves to show off, like, how good he is. Had nothing, I promise you, it had nothing to do with how spiritual I was because it wasn't like I was doing my best uh, by any means. Um, And that's just God's mercy, too. Like, he doesn't wait until we, like, meet a certain mark or we're doing good spiritually to show his goodness. He does it whenever we have faith to give to him. Um, so to wrap it up, um, in this crazy job, I had actually maxed out how much money they could pay me at my current position, which was nice. Um, but I wasn't making enough, like I was living in Torrance, working in PV and going to school in Long Beach. So the, and gas prices had gone up. So I actually couldn't afford to work there anymore. Let them know you guys are going to be looking for a different job. They understood, um, Communication with your bosses is really important too. But so, anyways, uh, January, we found out in the campus ministry we're going to do something that's never been done before. This was like one or two years after the Katrina hurricane hit, and we're going to get students from all over the nation to go serve God and serve people in Louisiana, um, and basically rebuild a whole neighborhood there. Um, so January, I knew this was coming. The event was in July, and I was like, great. Six months notice. Um, sorry, seven. It was February. Um, I'm definitely going to get this off. So I walk up to my manager and I'm like, hey, I just want to give you six months notice. I'm going to be gone in July on these dates, 4th of July weekend, and going to this great conference. And the response was, oh, I'm sorry, you can't have that off. This is the first time I've been told no. Um, no, you can't. You can't have that off. Those are blackout days, and uh, nobody can actually have those days off. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to be in the state of California from July 3rd to the 7th. So um, I just want to let you know I'm not going to be here physically <laughs> six months ahead of time. I'm sorry. You can't have those days off. That's just not possible. Um, I couldn't even give it to you if I wanted to. Okay, well... If you like, you can call it sick time um, or something. I just want to let you know I'm not going to be here. You've just listened to the Elevate podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.